But hey, I know I am. I am so excited um, to be with you this morning. As we get to honor two things that this morning that the New Testament church practices, and that is we will get to, to see baptism this morning and we get to participate in the Lord's Supper together. And I know that some of you, you may have missed out on Easter because Easter is a time of year that we usually come together and break bread together. But obviously this year was a little bit different. Actually for Easter, I think I was sitting out there in the lobby on a couch talking to you. So that was really awkward in and of itself. But, but today I'm excited because when, when we looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we saw that God was gonna give us an opportunity to break bread together one again with, with each other once again. But you know, when we look at baptism and we look at the Lord's Supper, the, the one word that kind of sums up those two things together is unity. It's all about being unified. It's all about us as believers being unified with one another as a church family, but it also is about us being unified with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that unity only comes through the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And so we get to celebrate both of those things today. Yes, today's gonna look a lot different. Today's gonna look a lot different than it normally does. But I think I'm, I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Okay, we don't wanna come to church just to check it off the list and say, okay, Sunday's done. Let's go on about our business. So today is gonna to be a look, it's gonna look a lot different. But my prayer is, is that while it looks different, that today will be one of those days that you never forget. That you never forget as a follower of Christ and so today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's going to address unity. He's going to address the church being unified. And, and we know that this goes all the way back to the book of Acts. When the New Testament church was birthed, we see that in Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47, we see the importance of the church being unified together. I want you to flip back there with me right quick. Because in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see that the church gathering together is this, is this is where it all started. We see in Acts chapter two that this where the church being unified, the church gathering together is where it all started right here in Acts chapter two. Now we're not gonna be spending a lot of time here. I just want you to see verses 43 through 47 to see how much emphasis goes on the idea of being unified together as one. Look with me in verse 44, we'll start reading. It says, and all those who had believed were together and all and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and their possessions and they were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind and in the temple. And they were breaking bread from house to house and they were taking their meals, there it is again, together with God and having, oh, sorry, house to house, and they were breaking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So you can very quickly read those several verses and see the importance of the unity in the church. Seeing the importance of being unified as one. And what I love about that is we see a promise there that's kind of embedded in that is that we see that if the church is unified, if we are all in one harmony, one accord, we're walking on one mission, then we see the results of that. Jesus is going to add to our number. 
If we are unified, we will grow. But it's not because we're doing something right, but it's simply because the power of the Holy Spirit can move when we are unified, when we're together. And so we see the importance of being together. And so here's what we're going to be looking this morning is we are going to look at unity. You're going to hear that word an awful lot today about us being unified. So what we also see is that when there is a loss of unity, when the church is not unified, there's dissension. So when the church is not unified, there organically is dissension. And we know that it is difficult for the church to move forward in one direction if the church is not unified. And so we see the importance of unity and what's happening in Corinth right now. The reason that Paul is addressing this topic is they've lost their focus of unity. So I want you to flip back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is we're going to be looking this morning when it comes to unity. I want you to start reading with me in verse 17. We're going to read verses 17 through 22, and then we're going to kind of walk back through it. We read here what Paul writes. He said in verse 17, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that division exists among you. And in part, I believe it. For, the, for there must be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Verse 20. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and to drink? Or do, you not, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? And in this, I will not praise you. You see, up to this point in chapter 11, what Paul started out with is he's saying, look, there are some things that you've gotten right as the church. And for those things, I praise you. I'm proud of you for those things you've gotten right. But when it comes to the idea of a unity, when it comes to the idea of you being together, you missed it. You missed it. And he's saying, you at Corinth, y'all are doing some things right, but when it comes to being unified, when it comes to being one, you've missed it. And for that, I will not praise you. I'll pat you on the back for the th things you've gotten right, but for what you've missed, I will not praise you. And what he's basically saying is saying, church, look, you're going through the motions. You're just playing the church game. It may look like you have it all figured out, but you don't because you've missed the purpose. The purpose of us being here this morning, the purpose of Corinth being together when they were to be together was so that they could honor and recognize the idea of being unified being a unit together. And what I love about that is they would gather together. And as they would gather together, it was people from all walks of life. It wasn't people that all had the same interest. It wasn't people who, who agreed on everything. 
It wasn't people who all looked the same. It wasn't people who all acted the same because the truth is, is what unified them had nothing to do with those things because what unified them was the breaking of the body of Christ and the shedding of his blood. That's what unified them. That's what united them together as believers. And we read in Acts chapter two, it says, and they had, because of this, they had favor with all people. They had favor with all people. And so what specifically Paul starts talking about here in verses 17 through 22, it is where the church, all the believers would come together for what they call the love feast, or in some Bibles, it may say the agape feast. And what they would do is they would gather together and everyone would bring food. Everyone would bring food together. They would, they would make a big pile of it. They would line it out all. Y'all, y'all are already kind of envisioning this. Y'all remember the Sunday school tables? Everybody knows what a Sunday school table is, right? That's just kind of its own marketing thing. It's a Sunday school table. And they would come and they would pile all this food up. And then every person from every walk of life, it didn't matter what they brought. It didn't matter if they brought everything or if they brought nothing. But once it was placed on the table, it was welcome for everyone to participate in this love feast. And the purpose of this was to exemplify unity. It was to exemplify unity unity. And so naturally you would have some people that brought a lot and some people who brought a little. How many of you grew up in a church and you'll know what I'm talking about once I say the word. How many of you have ever been to a homecoming on Sunday? A lot of you have. There wasn't very many at nine o'clock or maybe they weren't awake, but you all remember homecoming, right? Everybody brought food. Now, there were some who brought all these homemade casseroles. They would even throw in like a gallon of homemade ice cream. But then there was those of you, probably myself included, that that they brought everything and you're the person that stopped at Kentucky Fried Chicken on the way there and bought a bucket, right? But you know what? The beauty of the love feast, the beauty of homecoming is it didn't matter what you brought. Because once you arrived with your people, once you arrived with all of the believers, guess what? Everyone got to participate the same. Everyone got to participate the same. Now, this is a side note. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. But why in the world did we get excited about homecoming anyway? Think about it. You know, you had your 945 Sunday school, right? Josh, just nod with me and make me feel good. You had your 945 Sunday school. That's when everybody brings the food. Then you go to 11 o'clock church time, big church. Remember, that's what it was, big church. Sunday school, big church. Where's the food at? It's already out on them tables or it's in your car. And then all of a sudden, you know, homecomings, that's where everybody shows up. So you know the service don't end at 12. You usually go to like 1245 or one. By the time you get to the homecoming table, everything's covered in flies. The ice cream's melted. The casseroles are cold. But by George, I love homecoming. Makes no sense, does it? But the beauty of it is that shows us the food was not what was important. What was important about homecoming was the unity that took place with God's people. It took place with God's people. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what you brought. But once you entered into that love feast, everybody was unified. Everyone was together. Now just think about that for just a minute. Let's let's stop talking food. It's too close to 12. 
Let's stop, talk, let's stop talking food for just a minute. What if our, what if our purpose and our heartbeat in this place here at Chestnut Mountain Church on Sunday morning, we mimicked that of the love feast. And what I mean by that, not talking about food, but what if we provided an atmosphere here on Sunday mornings that it doesn't matter what you bring. It doesn't matter if you have the most joyful heart when you get here on Sunday mornings or if you have the most empty heart on Sunday mornings. What if you walked in carrying all the way to the world on your shoulders? Or what if you just had the best week of your life? But what happens is what if we gathered together and all of that was out the door because we were all together, unified, worshiping with one another. Didn't matter what you brought or what you didn't bring. Because truth be known, there's a lot of people that probably pulled up here this morning. You're sitting there right now. And to be honest, this is the last place you want to be. Because you've had a rough week. You've had a terrible week. And you walked in carrying the weight of the world. Or maybe this week you've lost your job. Maybe you've gotten some terrible news and you honestly did not even feel like coming in the house. But maybe on the other side, there's some of you that have had the greatest week of your life. Do you understand that that's the way the, the body of Christ is supposed to work? Is I want those who are coming empty to be filled up by those who have been filled. And so what if our church operated that way that we said, you know what? Just come as you are. It doesn't matter what you've dealt with this week. It doesn't matter what you've experienced this week because here's the truth. Once we gather together in God's house, it's about him and about him only. Let the church be the church. Come just as you are. Because you know, there are those that came in with, with broken hearts this week. There's some of you that came in with the filled heart this week. There's some of you that walked in carrying the heaviest burden that you've ever carried. But then there's some of us that have came in this morning, maybe we're not carrying a whole lot. Those with the Filled heart, can I encourage you this morning, find those with a broken heart. Those with a spirit-filled week, find those that have had the spirit emptied week. Let's be their strength for them. Let's be there for one another. But you see, the problem that's going on in Corinth right now is that the purpose of gathering together is unity, but that's not at all what's taking place. Because what's happened is you've got the wealthy who have brought a lot to the table. They brought everything. They brought every casserole under the sun. And what's happened is those who have brought everything, they begin to form their own little clique. They begin to form their own little group to where they are, have their little, they're happy with one another. They've got it all together. They appear that they've got every, every box checked. But then all of a sudden you've got those over here who had absolutely nothing to bring. And they, maybe they brought very little, but in most cases they had nothing to bring. And what's happened now is they've all grouped up together. And so we see dissension in the church because they've forgotten the idea of gathering together. The purpose is to be unified. The purpose is unity. Now, what's interesting is there's not necessarily any bickering going on between these two groups, but they've just separated from one another. 
There's just no fellowship. And when there's no fellowship between this group and that group, guess what organically happens? All of a sudden, one group begins to feel inferior to another. They feel that they're not worthy to be with with someone that was able to bring everything because they brought nothing. And now all of a sudden we see that the wedge of dissension is driven deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And Paul is very adamant about that. And he says in verse 21, look what he says. He says in verse 21, for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first and one is hungry and another is drunk. What Paul is pretty much saying here, he's saying, look, some of you are coming to the table with everything. And you're leaving filled. In mine and your turn, maybe we'd probably say they're leaving just fat and happy. They come to homecoming on Sunday. They brought all their food. They ate all of everybody else's food. And man, they're leaving with a full belly. But then you've got the ones over here that came hungry. And they left hungry. What if it became our heart's desire as a church family? What if we begin to pray every Sunday morning that when people leave this campus, that they'd leave differently when they showed up. You see, there's nothing more heartbreaking than if somebody comes onto this campus on a Sunday morning and they are empty, church, we've missed it if they leave empty. And guess what, that's on us. That's on us. Church, what if our heart's desire was, is God this Sunday morning, don't let us gather together and don't let anybody step foot on our campus and leave the same way they came. Are we providing an environment where they can encounter the Holy Spirit, where they can encounter love, where they can see the church being the church? Because if they are having an encounter with Jesus Christ, I will venture to say there's no way you encounter the power of the Holy Spirit and you're not changed. So shame on us if people are leaving the same way they came. That's exactly what's going on right now in Corinth. Is people are leaving the very same way they come. Because the wealthy weren't feeding the hungry. There was no unity. And man, what you got to love about Paul, he just calls it like it is. This is what's going on. And look how he starts out, verse 22. My version reads, what? With an exclamation point. One word. He says, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat and to drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What Paul is saying here, he says, look, the purpose of the church is unity. And if you're not coming to be unified, then you might as well just stay at home. Can you not just stay at home and eat and drink and be happy? You can do that in your house. You can do that by yourself. If that's the case, then there's no point in you even coming. If you're not coming to the church house today and you're not bringing unity, Paul is saying, just stay home. Just stay home. You're thinking, man, that dude was rude. Yeah, that's why we all like him. He's the Simon Cowell of the Bible. Y'all, do y'all remember Simon Cowell? That's old school. <laughs> Sorry, Sid. <laughs> anyway, but he says, look, If you're not about unity, if you're not about unity, just stay at home. Just stay at home. If you're not 
bringing unity. You're bringing dissension. If you're not bringing, if you're bringing dissension, you're not in unity with the Lord. The church can't have unity if we're not in unity with the Lord. And if we're not in unity with the Lord, we won't be in unity with one another. So the church at Corinth, they're, they're gathering. They're getting together on a regular basis. But there's no unity. They're going through the motions. You know, and I can honestly say that's truly what I love about you. That's truly what I love about what God is doing here at Chestnut Mountain. I feel that it's very, very rare for us to show up and just go through the motions. Because I believe for a lot of us, there is a hunger and a desire that when we step foot on this campus, our desire is to leave differently than when we showed up. And our desire is to see others leave differently when they showed up. But what Corinth is doing is they're just checking church off the box. There's no unity. And the reason that this poses a major, major, major issue is that because in this love feast, in this agape feast, they would then participate in what you and I know as communion or the Lord's Supper. And what the Lord's Supper was about, what communion is about, is to simply remember why they're unified. The only reason they are unified, the only reason we here this morning are unified is not because of how much money we make, not because of where we work, not, not, no matter what part of socioeconomic status that we have, no matter your background, no matter your skin color, the only thing that unifies us today is the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And that's it. That's it. That's the only hope we have. That's the only victory we have. And when there's no unity, then if we participate in the Lord's Supper, we've missed the whole purpose of this communion because it's to remind us of why we're unified. It is to remind us of how we are unified. And Paul recognizes that they're going through the motions and then he warns them. Look at verses 27 and 28. It's down just a little bit. Paul says here, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and to drink of the cup. He speaks of those who are partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. What it means to partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is they simply are not recognizing that his body and his blood is what provides unity. It provides unity in the church, but most importantly, it provides unity with us as individuals to our creator God. Because the Lord's Supper reminds us that it is because of his broken body and it was because of his shedding of blood that we have been made right with God. If we have professed that, if we believe that, then this is how we are justified before 
and almighty God. But you know, as we get ready to think about and look at the Lord's Supper, thinking about his body and his blood is what, sh- what provided us with unity. We begin to see each other differently. We begin to recognize each other from the scriptures as we are all one body. We are all one body. And Jesus Christ is the head. And when we recognize that we are part of one body, we will experience unity like never before. And when the church is unified, God can do a mighty, mighty work. You know, that's what I love about, and I know I'm kind of harping on what we even shared last week, but what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. You know, there for 13 weeks, we weren't able to assemble together. But the beauty of that is I believe God birthed in so many of us a yearning and a desire for this to be unified. A hunger and a desire for us to be back together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And can I tell you that when the church is of one mind and is of one accord and on one mission, we saw the promise in Acts chapter two. He said that the number will grow. The number will grow. church, we've got to be unified. So before we take the Lord's Supper this morning, I want us to make sure that we listen to Paul's instruction because I don't want us to go through the motions this morning. Paul specifically tells us here that we are to examine our heart. So many times we show up at church for the Lord's Supper and we we read some prayer, we read the words of Jesus, we, we eat and we drink and we're done. Shame on us, church, because Paul said here that we must examine our hearts because we can't partake of this Lord's Supper if it's in an unworthy manner. You say, well, how in the world do I take it in a worthy manner? There's a couple of questions I think that we can ask God to to prick our hearts with. To start with, are you in unity with him? To the believer this morning, are you in unity with Christ Jesus? Are you in unity with an almighty God? Or is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there sin in your life you feel like you've hid, that you've tucked it away? Are you living in sin? And the Spirit of God right now, look, this is what I love about the power of the Holy Spirit, is I don't even have to go through a whole list of sins because God's already revealing to you what your unconfessed sin is. That's not my job. So this morning, whatever the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, I wanna encourage you this morning, ask God for forgiveness. Repent of that sin. Turn from your selfish ways and turn to Him. So we ask ask ourselves the questions, are, are we in unity with God? But then here's where it gets a little difficult. Are we in unity with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now look, I know some of you are going, okay, I look around the room. I ain't got issues with nobody in here. I'm good to go. 
Guess what? The body of Christ expands far beyond the walls of this building. So when I ask the question, are you in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Who is outside these walls that you're not unified with? Who's another believer that maybe you've not spoken to in years? Who's another believer that you've had some falling out with? And my question that I would ask you is, are you in unity with that brother or sister in Christ? And in just a moment, when we give, our, when we, we give you just a few moments to examine your heart, maybe you need to make it right with that person. Maybe they are here this morning. Man, what would it look like if you had the boldness to stand up where you're at and go to that person that maybe you've not spoken to in years? Man, you wanna see walls fall? You wanna see unity take place like we've never experienced? Let's start forgiving each other. Let's start loving each other the way Christ loves us. And so what I wanna invite you to do this morning is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. Now look, this altar's open. Maybe you need to step out this morning and you need to get on your face in an altar and confess the sin that the Holy Spirit's revealed to you already. So that in a moment when we take of the Lord's Supper, you can then take it in a worthy manner. Or maybe as God leads you this morning, there's somebody in here that you need just to simply say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I love you. And I know you're going, well, they're not here, so I'm good to go. There's a thing called a cell phone. This is the one time I would invite you. Pull that cell phone out of your purse. Pull it out of your pocket. And whoever that person is, you just simply say, I'm sorry. I love you. You'll probably have a conversation after church because they'll think it's very random. But in this moment right now, I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. and I want you to take just a few moments to examine your heart. I want you to feel the freedom to come to this altar or I want you to feel the freedom to do whatever God leads you to do right now. But ask the Spirit of God to examine your heart. Be made right with him this morning. Be made right with your brothers and sisters in Christ.
as we get ready to take of the Lord's Supper it is my responsibility to remind you who is who is qualified for this those who have been redeemed and saved by the grace of God now is an opportunity for you to remember what he's done for you if you've surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ if you've repented of your sin and you've turned and followed him, then this is for you. And this morning, if you're in unity with the Lord and you're in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ, then this Lord's Supper is for you to remember. And now you may sit there this morning and you may say, well, Brian, I've, I've never trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, I felt God knock on my heart. I felt God drawing me, but I never surrendered my heart and my life to him. Can I tell you today that there's no sweeter day to do that than today? Than to participate in the Lord's Supper as a new believer in Christ? And so we're gonna extend that invitation, not that, that I have the ability to invite you, but I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting you this morning to be in communion with the God who created you, the God who sent his son to break his body, to shed his blood so that you could be made one with him. And I believe with everything in me that the Spirit of God is knocking on somebody's heart's door today. And so we wanna give you an opportunity to, to open that door. You know, in the first service, we did this very same thing and I asked you to raise your hand for those who were believers and for those who weren't. And you know, when we got to the part of 
If today's the day you want to be saved and we want to ask Jesus into your heart, I want you to raise your hand. And I looked around the room and there weren't any hands raised. And I can honestly say that that breaks my heart because I know that the Spirit of God is drawing somebody today. But I got word after service that a little boy that my son has been praying for surrendered his heart and his life to Christ just a little while ago. And so you know what? He was able to take of this as a believer today in Christ. And so what I want you to do right now, I want you to bow your head again. And I know this is out of the ordinary from the way we usually do church. But at this morning with full confidence, you can say, I know that I have been redeemed. I know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I know that I have been saved by the grace of God. I want you to simply put your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if you just raised your hand as a believer in Christ, I want to invite you right now to pray. To pray that the Holy Spirit is drawing someone today. And as the Holy Spirit is drawing, that whoever that individual is, that they would stop running. That they would surrender right now in this moment and give their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. Now I want to ask you the question, if you can say, Brian, I I know I've never been saved. I've never surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to put your hand up and put it right back down. I'm not trying to draw attention to you. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Well, if you just raised your hand, today is the day you want to Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I, I'm not going to tell you what to pray. It's not some magical words. But I'm just going to tell you what I prayed. When I was 12 years old and I felt the Spirit of God knocking on my heart's door, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know what to say. I wasn't a fancy prayer, if you would. But I remember with the brokenness as a 12-year-old boy at River Bend Baptist Church, the only thing I knew to pray was, God, save me. Because that's the beauty of the voice of the Spirit of God as He intercedes on our behalf when we don't know what to say. So I would ask you this morning, if that's you and you've never been saved by the grace of God, the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. And that it also says that For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the quietness of this moment, I want you to ask God to save you. if you would open your eyes and lift your head back up. We rejoice this morning because I truly believe that somebody 
just surrendered their heart and their life to Christ. I believe that somebody just called on the name of the Lord and it doesn't say that he might save you. What does it say? He will. He will. I'm trying not to have a shouting moment right now, so I'm just going to keep opening my stuff right here. I want you to go ahead and take the elements in front of you that's in the seat in front of you. Go ahead and open those because I know it's dark and they're hard to open. This is like communion to go. This is like our number one combo. This morning we've talked about several things and we've looked at several things. From the words of Paul, I've asked you to look within Then we ask you to look around to make sure we were in unity with the body of Christ. Now what I want you to do is I want you to look back. And what I mean by looking back is I want you right now as an individual, this is you and the Lord, and I want you to look back and remember what Jesus Christ did for you. His body was broken so that yours wouldn't have to be. His blood was shed so that it would wipe your sin as far as the east is from the west. And so I want you to take just a moment and I want you to remember, remember what Christ did for you. God, as we remember today, God, we remember that your body was broken and that your blood was shed for us so that we could be made right with God. And so for that, Jesus, we say thank you. We say thank you for offering your body as a sacrifice. We say thank you for pouring pouring out your blood on the cross at Calvary. All we can say today is thank you. And all of God's people said, amen. In verse 24, Paul says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We've looked within. We've looked around, we've just looked back, 
But now I want to encourage you, church. As the body of Christ, what we've got to do right now more than we ever have is we've got to look ahead. We've got to look ahead. And here's how we look ahead in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the, ne- the Lord's death until he comes. So the way we look ahead, church, is we keep preaching Jesus. We keep living Jesus. We proclaim his death. And to paraphrase it, I found a quote, and this is what it feels like. This is what it should look like for us to look ahead. Do not hide the message. Do not be ashamed to declare it. Publish it with no hesitation. Affirm it with no embarrassment. And speak with joyful confidence. Church, the world needs Jesus. We got to proclaim. We got to proclaim his death until his return.